Thank you. What a passage. Wednesday night we headed north. I was speaking at a Focolari conference on uh, Thursday in Ballycastle. So that gave us a good excuse. And then Caroline and Ian were getting married in Ballymoney on Friday. <clears throat> but on Thursday morning, after our first night's sleep, Janice woke up and said, I had a dream last night. Well, wives have dreams, don't they? But I suppose husbands should listen. So we listened. She was getting married. Became very quickly aware that it wasn't me she was marrying. (laughs) So I started to think, that was the best case scenario, really, I suppose, in that situation. And she said, no, I was getting married to this guy and... um, well, it was going down the road to getting married and, and we were in a registry office type place and, and then you come in. Oh dear, I'm still in the story here. And you were trying to convince me not to marry him. And then I noticed that the other guy had photographs of himself all around the registry office. But you'd prepared a place with my photograph all around the registry office. So I think Eileen... She got Eileen, you're in it as well. She drags Eileen into the toilets to tell and say, Eileen, I can't marry this guy. And Eileen, thank you. I think you sort of said, have you any doubts? Like, you know. <laughs> your man's not bad. <clears throat> but Janice was wrestling, it seems, in the dream with somebody who had their picture all over the place and somebody who had her picture all over the place. She married me in the end. Thanks, Eileen. And all was well in the morning. And I listened as a husband would. I went over to the Focolari conference and I was sitting during the coffee break and nobody was speaking to me for a short moment or two. So I got my head into the governor's palace, John 18, that Nathan's just read. That's what happens. You're pondering for a few days the passage. What's the passage saying? What's going on in here? And you're looking for something that's just going to crack it open so that you can take it from the governor's palace and what was happening between Pilate and Jesus and what's going on right now in the tenderness of each one of your hearts here. That's the preacher's challenge. How can you take a text in its context And then somehow open it up so that when you come to church on a Sunday morning, something might resonate deep in your heart. How can I get from this palace, this confrontation with Pilate and Jesus, to Fitzroy on Sunday morning? That's going round in my head. And somehow as it's going round in my head, and I'm realizing that what we started this whole thing with was what the Gospels were about. And one of the things the Gospels were about was this clash between Caesar and God. And as we come to John 18, we're coming to the very moment of the real clash between Caesar and God. Remember, we talked about how this has been the way it's been since the start. Pharaoh and the Jews, the prophets of Baal and the Jews, Herod and Jesus, Pilate, Caesar and Jesus, idols. It's all about the powers of the world against the powers of God. And here we are right at the clash. They're in the ring in this palace, Caesar versus God. And the dream came back to me. 
Because I've told you many times before that in the context of these days, Caesar's image was everywhere. It rained down on you. You went to the gymnasium. Caesar is there as you walk through the doors. You go to the library. Caesar is there as you walk through the doors. You lift your knife and fork. Caesar's there right on your utensils. You pick up a coin. Caesar's there. Everywhere you look, you've got Caesar. His photograph is all around the registry office. Cracked. Caesar versus God. One has his image everywhere. And the other, the other has your face. This table this morning, as I gather around it a bit later on, what picture do we see of our king, of our beloved, of our bridegroom? Yeah, bread and wine. But those aren't the pictures I see around the table. I see your face. I see your face. Because Caesar was an emperor, king-like figure of his day, and what the kings of Jesus' day did was they crucified others for their own domination and power. Their photos were everywhere because it was all about their power. In this passage, in this confrontation with Pilate, Jesus is saying something incredibly profound. You see, the Jews want him dead, but blasphemy won't do, because Pilate is not interested in the slightest what is going on in the petty squabbles of some religious fracas that's going on around the temple or wherever else. It's not his jurisdiction. He's not there to sort out the petty squabbles of some little sect or other. So the only way they could get him killed is to make this accusation that Jesus is claiming to be a king. Now, the envoy of Caesar in that particular place has to be concerned if somebody else is setting himself up as a king against Caesar. So Pilate has to bring him in. Now, we said last week, Pilate knows exactly who this guy is. And he's looking at him and he's saying, well, even if he claims to be a king, look at the state of him. He's a poor man from a nowhere part of the country, and he had soldiers, well, he had a few disciples, and where are they? They've scattered, brave men, this man's soldiers. So Pilate's standing there, and he knows perfectly well that Jesus is not a king. He's not a king that threatens him in that way. But Pilate senses that there's some kind of threat here. But he has to ask him. So, you're a king. And what does Jesus reply to this idea of kingship? My kingdom doesn't consist of what you see around you. This is Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. My kingdom, said Jesus, doesn't consist of what you see around you. 
If it did, my followers would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But I'm not that kind of king. Not the world's kind of king. Jesus is not denying for a minute that he's king. But he is saying, I'm not Judas Maccabees. I'm not Herod. And I'm not Caesar. This is another kind of king. From another place. Do you see that coming through in John as we've been going through the whole of it? Born from above, from another place. Not outside of it in another worldly place. Born in another place. Born from somewhere else. Another king from somewhere else. But in the midst of the neighborhood, the word became flesh and moved in to the neighborhood. This is another kind of king. Totally different kind of king. A king who doesn't crucify others for his own sense of power and security. But a king who gives up his power and is crucified for the people. Now, Pilate's not getting this at all. Because this is just not the way it is. It's Caesar. The power of the world versus God. The power of the humility, of the love and the tenderness and the grace of the kingdom of God. And I'm sorry, but my mind quickly moved. This image from Janice's dream, pictures of himself everywhere. Caesar, pictures of himself everywhere. Interested in who? Not the beloved, but in himself. Flags. Everywhere. Images of the power of the world everywhere. Within ours, the unionist politicians walked out. Last Sunday night at Summer Madness, I joined with 20 of our young people and thousands of young people all across Ireland. And we had four politicians on a stage at Summer Madness and we all put our hands out and in a moment or two, Everybody prayed out loud for the politicians on the stage. Thousands of young people praying for a shared future, praying that they would make decisions that would give us a peaceful future, praying that they would be courageous enough to make the right decisions. This is not what they were praying for. Some of them were on the stage. Some of those we've listened to this week were walking around the festival all smart and all Christian. This is the kingdom of the world, guys. This is nothing like the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus says it really clearly. If they ask you to bring down a flag, take away one of the other commemorations in the city hall as well. He says, if they reroute you one mile, ask them to reroute you another mile. It's there. It's plain. 
It's the gospel that is not Caesar's. Because it's not about my picture. It's about the picture of the world that God loves. This is ridiculous. It's crazy. It's absolute nonsense that we would turn the other cheek or go an extra mile. It's bonkers. It's the gospel. It's the only hope for the world. And it's the only hope for Northern Ireland. And as Ross has prayed for our leaders, please God those today that open up this scripture and hear this scripture in churches all over the country would not be conned into a Caesar-like worldview. They would see what we're supposed to be like. Broken and poured out for our enemies. But that's not what the sermon's about. The sermon's about the tenderness of our hearts today. You see, in this moment, when Pilate and Jesus talk about truth, and Jesus makes it plain that he is the truth, and that those who listen to the truth follow him, shepherds, chapter 10, hear his voice and follow him, The truth is looking pretty feeble here. The truth's the new kid in the block. He's only been around three years. I bet you Barabbas was around longer. His friends have all scarpered. And here he is, standing in the middle of the governor's palace, born in a wee stable somewhere in Bethlehem, grew up as a carpenter, a very ordinary man, and suddenly here he is in the middle of of the emperor's palace. And really he looks like a bit of a candle flame that Pilate could just snuff out like that. But if you listen to the passage that Nathan read, be calm and know you're the truth. Because it's not the little feeble carpenter preacher boy from Galilee that's going to be snuffed out here. It's the lie of the world that's been there since Eden that if we reach further to grab that fruit off that tree will be something greater than we are and we eat it and we become something less than we are. The lie of that that's gone through the history of the world is about to be confronted with the truth that is not a doctrine, that is not a philosophy, that is the one who is Jesus. And the truth is that the world will lie to us because of its default position, of its images all around us, beaming down on us, trying to tell us those lies. And in the midst of those lies comes this truth. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And if we follow him, if we follow him, and just like I always say at Christmas, the gentleness of that baby on straw, such a gentle 
little image. A baby in straw. Set it down in that straw and bang, the tremors of the world come because God has interrupted history. In a little while, we'll get to that point where in another gentle little whimper, somebody's going to give up a spirit and the very ground is going to shake and the veil is going to be torn in two. And in that moment, I want you to know the truth The lies are that you're a nobody, that you need to do this, that you need to achieve this, that you need to become like this, that you need to wear this, that you need to buy this. That's the lie. Because their images are everywhere. But in this truth, at this table, your picture is everywhere. Because this God is about you. He loves you. He came to destroy the lies that messes up. He came to set us free. He came because he doesn't love just himself, although he wants our honor and worship. But he wants it not because we choose him, because if we didn't, he would kill us. He wants it because he chose us. He chose us and was broken and poured out. Let's pray together. Our God, we're about to survey the wondrous cross. From your head, your hands, your feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? The crown of our King is not one who for power kills others, but one who for love gave up his power to die for us. That God demonstrated his kingly love for us in that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Lord, help us to somehow smash through the lies of the images around us and see ourselves as you see us. The truth that is so upside down that it might take years to embed in our souls that at this table, at this table, the King of Kings, the truth was broken and poured out because our King loves us. May we know it not in words or songs or verses. May we know it in the tenderness of our souls. In Jesus' name, amen.